0: from their trips and vacations. Anybody traveled recently? All right, yeah. you're yeah. brag about it. Come on. I went to Iceland and Arctica. I'm not sure you would brag about that stuff. I love traveling. Um, well, you got me this morning. Um, I am Pastor Tom. I am not the lead pastor, but Pastor Carl is at Ahuimanu, and he gets to sweat this morning. So praise the Lord on that one. Um, good morning. Uh, I want to just uh, give a shout out to all the guys online. Hi, how you guys doing? What's up? This is the online service as well. You can can watch us um, at 9 a.m. But here I am, and we're on our secret story series. We're talking about the parables of Jesus. I hope you guys have been enjoying it. And uh, today we're going to be talking about a pretty famous parable. Uh, We're going to be dissecting it. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Anybody know that one? It's like literally one of the, probably the the most famous one. And we're calling today's sermon, it's a pretty funny sermon uh, title, Excuse Me, Your Love is Showing. Yeah, it's a pretty funny one, right? And you don't get too imaginative on this one, but have you ever had something showing that you're the only one that didn't know about it? Come on, right? You're like, uh, you know, whatever embarrassing moment that was, I'm going to keep it clean, like your underwear is showing or whatever it is. Uh, when, I, when I hear this, like, I've used this, like, excuse me, whatever it is, it's the, the plumber syndrome, anybody? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Can I say butt crack. I already did. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Excuse me, that showing, whatever it is, close that up. You know, um, there's physical stuff like that. I, and this is not a physical thing, but I just thought about it. I, I bumped into uh, a cousin that I haven't seen for a long time. Uh, we had an event, and I haven't seen him for like 10 or 11 years. But I remember uh, I, I used to spend a lot of time with him, but one thing I remember was he had really bad breath. Like really bad breath. Every time he time it's like... <gasps> I had to take, like, air. I lost air because I would talk to him. And so I just recently just kind of hooked up with him again, and I'm like, hey, what's up, Matt? long time No, he's hey, Tom. All the memories started flooding back. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you didn't brush your teeth for 10 years. What's going on? Stuff is showing that we don't know, but everyone else does. And I think it goes beyond the physical, beyond our, our bad breath. I think um, we do things... Um, that people see that, that we don't know. Like, maybe you have bitterness or anger or pride or you're vain. How many guys, you, you notice that in people? They're like, oh, you're pretty prideful or you're, you're vain or you've got some bitterness, you've got some anger and you know about it, but they don't know about it, but it's, it's showing. Anybody with me? You see it in them and, and that, that's the bad stuff. But here's the good thing I'm talking about today. There is one thing that Jesus wants us to show. He wants it to come out naturally, and if we're the only ones that don't know about it, this is a good thing, because everyone else knows about it, is the fact that we should show our love, that we should be a church, that just people are like, it comes out so naturally that people are like, excuse me, your love is showing. Isn't that a good thing? I mean, think about it. Uh, Love loses, loses its power if it's not shown. Love loses its power if not shown. If you're not married and looking for a spouse right now, there's a bunch of married people in the room. I want to give you some advice. Just thinking that you love your significant other ain't going to cut it. Right? If my wife came up to me, "Tom, do you do you love me? Do you really really love me?" I would look at Grace and go, "Look in my eyes. Read my mind." You know that would be amazing if my wife's like, "Oh my gosh, you, you love me." You know she just crumples in love. You know whatever it is. You know, but you know my wife can't read my mind, and I have to show it. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. I have to show it through my actions, through spending time, through sacrifice—sacrifice sacrifice of my time, sacrifice of my resources. I have to say to her, "I love you." I gotta love my kids. I got I gotta do it through my life. That's what dying to yourself is in marriage, all right? And we have to show it. It can't just be in our mind. Think about God. Think about God. When sin entered the world, he knew there had to be an answer to it. He loves us, amen? Amen. Do we know that God loves us? I hope you do. I hope you know for a fact that God absolutely considers you precious and loves you. But what if you just thought about it and you didn't know that? But you know what? He didn't just think about it. He did something about it, didn't he? He had a plan named Jesus Christ. And he sent him down to die for us, to die on the cross, to shed his blood, and to die for our sins. Amen? Amen. Yeah, and he did that. And it's an amazing thing. But he outright actively showed his mercy, his love, his forgiveness for us. So love loses its power if it doesn't show. So we got to show it. Um, You know, and I, I... I'm looking at our church, and you know, it's like, I think I'm preaching to the choir because how many guys know, have been in this church a long time, that there are legends of love in this church? Come on. Aren't there people that you just look at and go, there are legends of love? I mean, I'm looking at people in this room. I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but man, there's people that have shown me love beyond what I deserve, or or, or they sacrificed, or they gave up something to show me love. There's people like the family, like, I mean, I'm going to brag about my parents. I know I brag about my parents a lot, but they are legends of love. Amen. You know, the, I think of the Klamas. I think of all the time centers, guys, that have loved me over the years since I was in junior high, when I was the stinky little brat with bad breath and whatever it was, Dirty Tom. I know, I know Carl preaches that all the time, that he, the stories of me being Dirty Tom. People loved me and accepted me despite being dirty and a brat and a rascal and they loved me and encouraged me and made me who I am today. There's people in this church that they exude love naturally. You know, there's someone in our church that decided to help out our Ahui campus. And I want to say one thing about our Ahui campus and the people who go there. They love Jesus more. <laughs> they, they sit in a service for an hour and a half in humid, hot weather. It was like almost 100 degrees. They, they love, they're hardcore. You, you are cush. You, you're just, they love Jesus just that, no. But here's the thing. There's someone in our church that said, keep it anonymous. They said, you know what? I want to make sure that you guys are cool over there. I'm going to donate some money, thousands of dollars, so that you can get some air conditioning in there. And we're going to get some air conditioning in Ahuimanu. But here's what, the, well, here's what that relates to. That's somebody coming to that campus feeling comfortable and because they feel comfortable and safe they're going to find Jesus. Yeah. And you know what that person said, don't tell who don't please don't tell anybody who it is. Excuse me, your love is showing. And I want to I want to confess something to you. This message was tough for me to study because I felt that I don't live up to this. That this is a challenging sermon for me. So if you're feeling convicted and like, you're kind of quiet, like they were on Friday night. I'm going to tell you, I'm preaching to myself because God's saying, "You Tom, you love, you definitely show love out loud, and you do, but you know what? You can do better. You can show more. You, you, can, you can do it. You can think of, seek me and seek the genius of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to show you incredible things. And so as I speak to you guys, please know that I'm, I'm being changed by this, this word here because I really believe that we have some pretty good services here. We have good worship. We had great worship this morning, by the way. Thank you, guys. Um, We have a great place to meet. We have some pretty good preaching, I hope. We have some good services. But you know what? I don't want to be known just for good services. I want to be known as a church that comes out of this service and with disciples bringing the lifeblood of Jesus to the life of the community down there. That we are infiltrating this whole island because we as human beings are carrying the life, blood of Jesus Christ. And that we are showing our love and people around the island going, excuse me, your love is showing. Wouldn't you want to be known as a church that's like, we just love too much? You guys are over love, you know? Um, I I want to be known for that. And like I said, this is um, challenging me as well. But let's turn to the uh, parable in Luke 10. And I'm going to read the whole thing. I want to make sure that you hear the whole word, the whole, what Jesus said. And here's the context. The reason why uh, he even said the parable is because someone asked, a religious leader asked, you know, what is that, what, what, are, what are the commandments? And so here we are in Luke 10, verse 25, it says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test, he was testing Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So he's pushing Jesus a little bit further, like, okay, so who's this neighbor that uh, I'm referring to and you're referring to? Jesus replied with a story, A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him, them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. I just lost my place. All right, thank you. This technology it just doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man, it his, uh, if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, The one who showed him mercy. I think that's a very important line. The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said this. Now, this is the convicting part. Yes! Now and go do the same. Now, that's the big question, right? Because just reading this alone, aren't you challenged? Can't we just go home going, oh, my gosh, i got to step it up. i got to be like the Good Samaritan. Because actually, the Good Samaritan was a Samaritan. They were actually despised. They are kind of half-breeds. And the first two people were the religious leader and the temple assistant. They're, they're Jewish. They were supposed to do the right thing. But it was the despised Samaritan that actually did the right thing. He actually showed love to that man who got uh, robbed. Then the question is, go and do the same. How are we going to do that? Because here's the problem. Back in those days, there was probably a lot of needs, but we live in a pretty cush life right now, right? We're in air conditioning and we live well in Hawaii. We live in paradise. And the needs are few and far between. How many guys would kind of agree? It's like, I'm, I, like I'm, I'm looking for people who are getting beat up, Tom. Come on. Where are they? I'm trying to help people. And I know we live and it's hard to find it, but I want to say one thing. I think there's more out there than we know. There's more needs. There's more broken people than we know. Um, this morning, I woke up to a shocker. I don't know if you guys follow surfing. Yep. Um, the ASP, the World Tour, they're in J-Bay right now. During the final of the J-Bay contest in South Africa, there was a shark attack. I mean, go! it's like crazy. Nick, uh, Mick Fanning, uh, former world champion. Literally, a shark came up, fin and all, you could see him, bit his leash off. He didn't get hurt. He like, I don't know what he did, but he got back, he got on the uh, jet ski, and he's fine. He's okay, thank God. But he got attacked by a shark during the final. There's only two guys out. And I was thinking about one thing, and something, someone said this to me a couple years back. He's all, you know, while you're surfing, any surfers out there? I'm sorry if I'm going to freak you out right now. While you're surfing, if you knew, if every shark that was in the ocean just came out of the water and said, Hi, I'm here, you would not go in the water ever again. That's what someone told me. That if you actually knew, like, oh my goodness, you would you would like you'd be a land lover for the rest of your life. And I was thinking about that. That a lot of us are looking for needs, but are we are we really looking? I think we gotta put on the God goggles. And as for the genius of the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, reveal the needs that are in front of me because there's going to be broken people. There's going to be people that need your help, that they're not shouting to the rooftops, I need your help, and they're not beaten up. But inside, spiritually and emotionally, they need Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen for that? That there's way more needs than we know. And if we just kind of do a couple things, and I think we can learn from the Good Samaritan here, There's two things that he did really, really well that kind of leaves us with no excuses. If we actually do this, I think we can do some damage in a very good way with love. Amen? Um, And here's the two things if you're taking notes. Here's what I believe the Good Samaritan did. And this is what you should do. If Jesus is saying, How can you do the same? Well, here's the first thing stop and notice. Stop and notice. I know that sounds simple, but you think about the, the two uh, people before, right? The priest and the temple assistant. What did the priest do? He, he saw. He didn't help. He walked to the other side of the road and was probably going, didn't see anything, didn't see anything, didn't see anything, you know? It's one of those things. He just walked past. The temple assistant did see, kind of looked over. It's like, eh, and he kept on walking as well. The good Samaritan, he stopped. And it says he felt compassion. He observed. That, that to me means he observed it. He noticed it. There's, that's more than just looking or seeing. Don't you guys love? Come on, everyone loves this, right? When you get a haircut and someone notices that you had a haircut. Because you don't wanna say, you don't wanna, you don't come out of the hair salon, whatever it is, and just go, hey guys, I got a haircut! Look at me! You know what you're doing all day, right? You're like, huh? Hi. Huh? You know, right? I mean, come on, husbands. You better know when your wife gets a haircut. You better say something, because they're like, huh? You know, whatever it is. I'm sorry. I do this kind of stuff. I'm so, right? And when they say, you got a haircut, didn't you? You look nice. Don't you go, you noticed. You didn't just see and walk by and didn't say anything, you noticed. The Good Samaritan stopped, and he noticed. I think a lot of us, and I'm included, this is why I'm so convicted, is that we just drive by. We pass by all the needs, because we're in such a hurry, because Hawaii is so hot, that we have to go from air-conditioned, to air-conditioned, to air-conditioned. Right? We're in our house, it's like, ooh, nice and cool, fans, whatever it is. Dude, how close is my car? right? Get to the car. Turn the car on. Shh, drive the car. Woo! Get to our destination. Run to the air conditioning. Oh gosh, what a great day. And we miss everything and we're in our lone little world and we don't stop to see all the sweating, hot people out there because we're so cool. God was convicting me on this one occasion. Um, I live in Waihole. I live with my in-laws right now and I live on a farm and my, my, my father-in-law has workers and uh, they have a whole family, everything, and in the morning, the workers' wives, they don't have cars, so they walk, and it's a pretty far walk, to the bus stop um, on Cam Highway. And so uh, they walk about 8 o'clock in the morning, and um, I started going to work a little early, so normally I wouldn't see them, but then I, I, I would see them walking to the bus stop. And then, you know, a really novel idea came to me. Drive them to the bus stop. And then all the excuses came up. Anybody with me? Um, I'm going to be late for work. Excuse me, you left early? You're not late. But I said that excuse anyway. So I said, I'm going to be late for work. Then I'm like, you know what? I looked at my car. How many guys are pretty neat, but when it comes to your car, you become hoarders? (laughs) I'm one of them. I had stuff all over my car, and my, my next excuse was, there's no room. There's no room. That means I have to stop. I have to... I have to clear all my stuff, throw it in the back, and then give them a ride. So I just passed them by. And I just said, eh, ah, okay, it's okay. That's, okay. that's alright. They 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 walk every single morning. That's okay. You know, and I passed them by. The next morning, same thing. I woke up early to go early to work, loaded up, got into my car, and I felt the Holy Spirit say this. Are you gonna clean your car or what? Are you gonna empty your seats? I'm like, God! You just turned into a neat freak. What's going on? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I've had this mess for a long time. He's all, Are you gonna pick those women up? Are you gonna drive them to the bus stop? I'm like, Okay. Got on my car, cleaned out my seat, put it all in the back, and I was ready. And I just told God, Well, they better be walking, because <laughs> I cleaned out my car for them. They better be on their way to the bus stop right now. And uh, took off in my car, and I drove slow, right? Slow down. Don't drive so fast, but slow down so you can see the knees. I was looking for them. And lo and behold, they were halfway from the, the, the house where we lived to the street, and they just pulled over, and they're lovely Filipino ladies with lovely Filipino accents. I love it. reminds me of my grandma. I come in, hey, you guys, want to ride? Oh, yes, we want to ride. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you so much, you know. <laughs> Praise Jesus, you know. They're just praising the Lord, and... And I gave, I gave him a ride and, and I, gave, I, took, I gave him a ride to the bus stop and you know, I know that's a small thing but God was showing me this. Sometimes we have to change our mindset before we even see the needs. We have to change our mindset know, you know what our culture is? We're, we're a passer by our culture. We just pass by people and we have that culture of AC to AC to AC and we don't slow down, we don't stop, we don't notice, we don't observe. And what God is saying, change your mindset. Are you ready to wake up in the morning and to see if I'm going to give you, a, show you a need, and are you going to do something about it? Are you going to prep your mind, clear out your seats, clear out your life, and go, you know what? I am ready to help somebody out. Physically, I did it with my, my stuff in my car, but don't we just have to do that? It was a mind change for me. Are you hearing me? It's a perception that we have to be ready to stop and notice. Because here's the one thing, in the years of ministry, I know this is going to sound mean. In the years of ministry that I've uh, experienced, people are irritating. People can be irritating. Seriously, I'm irritating. I know that. You know why? People have issues. People, we, see, we see stuff in people that irritate us. Like I said before, pride, vanity. It's like, oh, you're just talkative. You're, just, you're, too, you're too quiet or whatever it is. And the thing I've learned in ministry is this, is that I have to overcome my irritation or whatever I think about that person. Why? Because everybody has a story. Every single person have a, has a story. What do what, what I mean by that? Maybe they're really grumpy because they had a bad hurt in their life and they have unforgiveness and bitterness in their heart. What if they're really, really quiet because They have some pain that they don't want to share, and they have shame, and they're holding it back. I don't know, and I've I've found out that people have stored There's an issue behind the thing that's going on in their life, and behind that, there needs healing and restoration, and they need Jesus to come in and heal them. There was this one example about three weeks ago. Uh, I was building a relationship, kind of a business relationship with this woman. It was... Uh, It wasn't ministry. I'm not even sure she was saved or not, Um, but it was a project that we were working on, and so I I got the email and talked with this woman for a while, for about a year. Uh, We were doing this thing, And, and about three weeks ago, she called me just very angry, very upset, very frustrated because something went wrong. It wasn't what I did, but it was something that was going on in this situation. So she basically called me to complain, and like, Tom, you better do something about this. I don't know who to call, but I'm calling you, and you better do something. She was ranting and raving, and I was like, you know, I was like, dude, deer in the headlights, like, what am I doing? You know, and she was going off, and I was trying my best. In the midst of the conversation, I could have got angry, defensive, like, you don't know what you're talking about, and I could have stood my ground and do all that, But in the midst of it, Jesus was saying, be Jesus to her. You have to be the hand and feet of me. You have to speak my words to her right now. I I just felt that, and I felt a discernment that beyond her frustration and all of her stress and anxiety that there was something wrong. And I I, I built this trust enough to go, you know what? At the end of her ranting and raving, and I just kind of shut my mouth and listened, I said, hey, are you okay? And she said this, and she started crying. My husband just passed away. Just passed away. Husband of, I don't know, 30 plus years, something like that. It was a long time. And um, she was dealing with all this stress and all this stuff. And she said, Yeah, and I'm, I'm burying my husband this weekend. I can't, I can't handle this other thing that I have to deal with. And at that moment, all of her complaints, all of my attitude is thrown out the window. Because I have to stop, and I have to observe, and I have to notice. Now I have to show her Jesus. And I said, man, I'm really, really sorry. And I got to pray with her and, and whatever it is. There's, there's times when we got to throw our own agenda out the window so that we can stop and notice people and help them. There's a lot more people than we know. Uh, that's the first, first thing, stop and notice. The second thing is get involved that we should get involved. What did the, the Good Samaritan do? He stopped and he noticed, but he took one extra step, action. He acted upon it. What did he do? He soothed the, uh, the wounds, he put him, on, put him on his own donkey, went to an inn, took care of him, he took action. And the one thing that that man said was this. When, at the end of Jesus' parable, Jesus asked him, now which of these Three, would you say it was the neighbor to the man, and, and the man replied, the one who showed mercy. And I want to look at this word mercy. It's actually in Greek. It's eleos. And sometimes I kind of downplay mercy. It's like mercy. Yeah, I showed mercy. It's love, forgiveness, acceptance, whatever it is. But here's a definition of mercy. Kindness or goodwill towards the hurting. But get this. Joined with a desire to help. Which means there's a reaction. There's a feeling. Remember that feeling that he had? He said, he saw the man, and he felt compassion. There was this reaction. And actually, more than the reaction, there was an action. Actually, if you really look at this word mercy, it's the same word that describes the mercy that God had on us to send Jesus Christ. Think about that. Remember what I said in the beginning? What if God just thought that he loved us and did nothing about it? Where would we be? But did he do that? Was it just in his brain? No, he acted upon it. He had mercy on us. And the action, the action, the plan was called Jesus Christ on the cross. I think that's so amazing that that's the same word, that mercy. And here's the trouble with getting involved, which means having action. It's inconvenient. It takes our time. It makes me clean my car. It's troublesome. You have to deal with broken people that might be irritating. You have to get down and dirty and show them love. It might take you away from the things that you need to do. Getting involved takes risk, right? We talked about that last week. It takes risk. and takes faith. and takes courage. And it's hard. But I have some encouraging news for you guys. There's something in this parable that sometimes we overlook. And it's this. In verse 35, it says this. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Isn't this interesting that he actually left the man? He actually delegated care to the innkeeper. Here's some money. I have to go. Now, I'm wondering what the reason why he had to go. Think about that. He either, like, I have to go back to work because I might lose my job. Or I've been gone overnight, and my wife's going to kill me. I got to go. Which means he had limitations. Which means that at some point, he couldn't be the savior of that person. And one thing I want to say to you is you can't save everybody. You can't save everybody, only Jesus can. You're only human, you're only limited. So do the best you can with what you got. With, 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 with what's in front of you. You don't have to save everybody. You don't have to save the world. And this is where you have to have wisdom and go, Jesus, God, who do you want me to help? Where do you want me to get involved? Because God's going to say, not here, not here, not here, but you better go here. And we got to find that out. And it takes this relationship with God because he, doesn't, we, he knows we're human and limited. Isn't that good, guys? That, that I, I hope there's guys out here that, it's easier to love somebody if we just, you know, where's the needs in front of us? Where's someone I can pray with on the phone right now and stop? Who's my coworker or my, the student sitting right next to me that needs Jesus? And I never talk to him, but try and talking to him. I don't know where that step of faith is for you, but ask God for the, uh, the genius of the Holy Spirit because I think it's simpler than it really is. Actually, I'm going to show you this video. And it's such a cool idea. It's such a great thing that has taken off across the country that is showing compassion and love. This is a a, a good example of, excuse me, your love is showing, but you're going to be so surprised how simple this is. Check this out.
1: Laundry love is really the modern-day foot washing. Laundry love is basically a group of people who gather together once a month in a laundromat to facilitate the laundry of folks who are homeless or in need or in transitional housing. Folks who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford to have their laundry done. We literally are doing the maximum of 600 loads of laundry each month, not only does it benefit this community of people, but it also takes the worst day for a small business owner and turns it into his or her best day. THADS was formed in order for the church to reach out to a group of folks who would never otherwise darken the door of one of our traditional parishes. We have had a few guests from Laundry Love come to our church, but that's not the point. What we're doing is building our church from the inside by serving this constituency of people. That's what we feel like our call, our mission, is to make a love-spreading difference in the community in which we're situated and beyond. There's a level of vulnerability that you have to engage in order just to walk in because it's a little chaotic and it's pretty extroverted and sometimes it's kind of scary in a good way. There's a lot of love in the room, but there's also a lot of courage in the room too. What we've seen is our church has just really come alive with this opportunity to serve in our community in a very practical way. It's just a really ripe time for communion, for the development of like real deeper relational intimacy that you see taking place in the middle of a laundromat in Venice Beach on a Monday night. One of the themes that we adopted early on at THADS is people are the new program. Any church of any size could pull off a Laundry Love. People have come to volunteer at Laundry Love and then they've said like, they've made relationships with people and and have helped facilitate them finding housing. So the idea is that the program exists so that it would be an incubator for more personal love-spreading, difference-making mission in our own individual lives. I feel very strongly that this is the modern day foot washing, you know, this is where we have an opportunity to get down and engage people on a level where they need to be served. There's this real development of connection and relationship that goes back and forth. And for some reason, washing machines and dryers really bring people together.
0: How simple is that, right? All you need is a couple quarters and um, to, to let you guys know we're actually going to get involved in this. Um, there's actually a church that's already doing it in Kaneohe, and we got to find out who that is, but we want to get involved. Wouldn't that be great, a connect group to do that, or whatever it is? But I think what the point really is, is the fact that how simple that is, is where are the needs in, in your world right now that, that you can put a quarter in? Not necessarily laundry, but man, it's like, well, I, I do. I, I, I'm sure there's ideas popping in your head right now, but I actually want to show you another video. It's uh, the reason why we actually heard about this was because uh, the guys who went to the Foursquare Convention, not me, by the way, no bitterness, uh, <laughs> uh, they actually heard about this, and actually the founder, uh, one of the founders of this love La- uh, laundry movement actually spoke, and, uh, and you're going to see Tammy Donahue at the end. She came a couple weeks before the share here, uh, but you get to see actually how it got started, so check this out. Amazing ministry. Greg, when you were pastoring
2: the bridge community in Ventura, California, this ministry kind of erupted, and it has spread. Tell us about its influence, how it started, and how it's impacted your life.
3: Yeah, well, it's good to be here. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity, obviously, to stand and and get the opportunity to be with the Foursquare Family. 13 years ago, there was a group of us that got that crazy idea of of planting a church and uh, actually longer than that, but uh, maybe 16 years ago. And in the process of our life together, uh, we really were committed to uh, listening to our city, being very present to it, walking the neighborhood and having opportunity to be with people. And uh, there was a a lot of under-resourced, low-income folk and and one in particular, his name was Eric, his name was T-Bone, he went by on the street, his name was T-Bone, his name was Eric. And, and um, over, I don't know, a course of months of just sharing life with him and he with us, we, we were bold enough just to ask him what would it look like to come alongside your life in a meaningful way. And uh, he responded to us by saying, you know, if I had clean clothes, I think people would treat me as a human being. And so that, that very simple interruption launched uh, what is now known as Laundry Love. And so what we did is we went to just right up the road and on the Avenue of Ventura, uh, downtown Ventura, and we just talked with them, the manager and owner of that laundromat. And they welcomed us in and, and T-Bone and friends and families and kids and everything. And, and little did we know, just being committed to just be faithful in that laundromat, uh, two and a half hours every time we got together and we started tutoring kids and we started helping people find jobs and finding housing again and, and, uh, and then it kind of caught wind and, and so for the last 13 years, uh, the beautiful thing is it swept the US, it's into Canada, uh, in Hawaii and, uh, and the beautiful thing is we, we are almost at uh, 500,000 people cared for and 750,000 loads of laundry have been done so yeah, far yeah. in those 13 years. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so we have, we've started about 330 community groups, community laundry love efforts around the U.S. and and uh, they're active, and they're on our website. But it's just, it's, it was just this thing that just really just had a touch of grace on it, and we were just people that got to steward it. We, we say T-Bone founded Laundry Love, and, um, and we're just guiding his story, and we believe that every single Laundry Love effort, which by the way, our Foursquare family and uh, groups uh, of the Foursquare family are, are uh, ones facilitating it as well. That, uh, Lila's from uh, Harbor City, the Foursquare Church in Harbor City. She's, she's an amazing woman. But uh, yeah, groups around the U.S. And we all believe that they're connected to T-Bone's story. And so we're just stewarding his story. And we always say, we think every amazing nonprofit around the earth is, we're not founders of them. Of the, the suffering and the pain of the other are the founder of you know them and we just steward their stories well and so that's what we've been up to and we didn't really know how it all will pan out but in these last years uh, we've had amazing opportunities I sat with the CEO of Tide detergent company um, they invited me to come out and they were wanting and hoping to create a partnership together um, and so we went out and sat with them and it was it was a beautiful time really really uh, imaginative conversation of what with the possibilities of us partnering. And, and recently we've gotten in touch with the CEO. The CEO has gotten in touch with us of um, known as it's the association of Laundry Mat owners around the whole country have contacted us and uh, they say, hey, we love what you're doing. We do this thing that cares for under-resourced families and individuals. You're doing it. How can we partner? Um, but the beautiful thing is, is that you have nothing but time inside of a laundromat. You have two and a half hours, and we have seen families cared for. Like I said, we have seen children tutored. We have seen people uh, live in their cars and then move into uh, hotels and then uh, motels and finally into shelters. We have seen people get work again. But the beautiful thing of dignity, we've worked with the uh, United Way, and, and they say the teasing and the bullying that happens on children is amazing because of their clothes and that they would rather skip school because of the weight and the embarrassment and the bullying. And so they say, this is absolutely vital. We don't even think about such things. And, and that there's passable sicknesses and dirty laundry. And, and there's so much to, to what Laundry Love is, this health and hygiene initiative, this relational initiative. And it's really about being present in your neighborhood. It's about being committed and being in place. It's about being open and, uh, to people and knowing that there's nothing better than having that two and a half hours every month or every other week. And, and uh, the story goes on and on and on, but we've seen Countless thousands cared for, and it's just been a beautiful story. And and um, we're really, really privileged to be a part of what T Bone uh, started, and uh, to this day. And you know, the thing that I, I just I would say this to us: there's this this amazing story, and most of you know it. <clears throat> Tammy, if you don't mind, I do this here.
2: Absolutely.
3: So I'm not going to do yoga with Tammy. Uh, she wouldn't want that me to today. That would be interesting for
2: so.
3: sure. <laughs> but you guys have all heard the story of uh, the paralytic in the scriptures. And it's a beautiful story of, of, of commitment that, that all we knew about this man is, is by his condition. We didn't know his name. We don't know how long he had the condition. And then we hear about these others that came alongside. We don't know if they were friends or they're just complete strangers. All we know is that Jesus had come to town and, 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 and this interaction, this conversation started, and they wanted to get this paralyzed man to where Jesus was at. And as you guys know the story, they couldn't find a way through the front door, so they climbed the roof, you know. there's something beautiful about holy vandalism, you know what I mean? (laughs) And, um, but here's the beautiful thing about that story is this, is it is true that these, these men brought this paralytic to Jesus, but I, I would have to say this as well. It is just as true that the paralytic brought these men to Jesus That's right. it, it you got to see it as a both hands see because it's it's the broken that drive you to the heart of God That's right. it's those that are in pain and understand the depth of suffering the weight the emotional weight of poverty and conditions that they experience it drives you to the heart of God and so in some places uh, we all lie on the mat and we all get brought to the heart of God through the pain of others. And um, I know personally the fragility of my own story and my own life that I have been on that mat multiple times and I've had the poor carry me to Jesus because there's something that they know that returns me to myself. And so we are privileged to participate for the last 13 years in this initiative and we look forward to the next 13 years to see what God's going to do through laundromats. There's 30,000 of them around the US. Would you dream with me that in every city town that there would be people that are constantly faithful in their presence to those families and individuals that find their way into a laundromat? And I was so stirred last night, and I really hoping that Jerry Dierman, you're gonna give me some of that $500,000 that, <laughs> that Jesus is gonna give you, and then you're gonna give it to me. <clears throat> You keep on believing for that three million, brother, because I just, you can just go ahead and tie 20% to my efforts, sorry. Perfect.
2: You know what, there are laundromats everywhere, and pastors, listen, there are people in your churches that wonder how they can serve, because they can't, in their minds, teach a class. But they can put quarters in a machine, and they can sit with somebody and tell their story and hear an amazing story that will bring them near the heart of God. I want to pray over Greg as a representation of what's happening around the nation, that this would multiply as a way that God would send us into our communities. Father, thank you. Thank you for this man who heard your heart through the heart of an under-resourced man. In fact, I met Eric. And I remember sitting in the bridge community one night when Eric walked in And he wanted to say something in the middle of the service, and I will never forget how Greg didn't have security take him out, but he brought him up close, and he let him tell his story. And I was deeply impacted by it. I pray for every one of us that would hear this, that we would understand that whether we're carrying the mat or whether we're on it, we're all the same and you love us, and you want us to be brought near to your heart. So I pray for all of those who are doing Laundry Love that you will resource them, give them everything they need to expand the ministry. And Lord, I believe in this room tonight there will be people who will go home and say, we can do this, and we'll see this thing multiplied all over the nation, and even globally, Lord, wherever there's a laundromat, there is an opportunity for us to be sent as good news that you are. Thank you for Greg. Thank you for this ministry that you birthed. In Jesus' name,
0: amen.
3: Amen. And just, yes, laundrylove.org if you're interested. Thank you.
0: Like I said, we're probably going to, we are going to get involved with Laundry Love, but more than that, I think it's a great story of what I just taught um, is that they stopped and they took notice and they got involved. And it led them meeting with the CEO of Tide, is that amazing? That simple little act of we can do something, and I hope that encourages you. Um, the one thing that really hit my heart is the fact that what they said about how the, the broken and the lame and the sick, we bring them to Jesus, we want to bring them to Jesus, but it's also the fact that they're bringing us to Jesus, that they're actually bringing us closer to the heart of God, and I, I want to be there, Amen. I want to be where, you know what, I want to get closer to the heart of God, and, and they're the ones that are going to bring me to it. And so let's, with that, let's, uh, let's bow our heads, and uh, we'll pray. And I actually want to pray, I want to actually challenge people here. You might have been convicted like I am, and challenged, and want to do something, and don't know where to start. I think a good place to start is to say, here I am, Lord, send me, and also... Help, <laughs> which means give me, give me ideas, God. I need the, the genius of the Holy Spirit to show me the needs that are, are out there to pop up, you know? Open my eyes. Give me the God goggles on. And if that's you this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a slight challenge that, that if you want to just do something, and you literally might not even know what that is, that's okay. But you're going to spend this week going, Can I stop and notice? Can I slow down a bit? Can I stop rushing to the next air conditioning and look where the needs are? Stop and notice and possibly get involved. And if that's you this morning and you feel challenged and want to say to God, God, I want to do something. I don't know what it is, but I want to do something. Can you raise your hand right now? Can you raise your hand? Just lift your hand. Not for me, but for God. Yeah, there's a bunch of hands across across the room. Awesome. Awesome. Put your hands down. I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, for those who rose their hand, and I just pray, Father God, right now that you would give them the genius of the Holy Spirit, that you would give God goggles on this week, that they would see co-workers differently, that they would see their neighbors differently, that they would see the people in their communities at Starbucks differently, that they would just, uh, the needs would awaken um, in them and they would see that lord jesus i pray you give them divine appointments with people to either talk on the phone or facebook that they would show jesus somehow somewhere because there's someone that's broken beaten physically or spiritually or emotionally open our eyes to that lord i pray father god we are people that saying here i am send me allow me to do something thank you in jesus name i want to say one more prayer and this is for anybody that is is ready and willing. Maybe you came in here and you're searching for Jesus. You didn't know who Jesus was and you got a glimpse of it and you're saying to yourself, I want that. I want that love that Jesus showed on the cross for me. And you want to declare to him, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe because of that, I am forgiven of sin, that I have a new life ahead of me. If that is your desire this morning, and maybe that was something you you prayed a prayer a long time ago and you kind of fell away and maybe you're rededicating your life. I think this is, uh, applies to you as well, but you're basically saying to Jesus, Jesus, I surrender my life to you this morning because of Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who gave me life. I wanna surrender my life. Call myself a born again Christian today. If that's you this morning, I wanna pray with you. I wanna say a prayer with you actually. I want your words to, to be prayed to God. But if you want that, desire that, to either dedicate or rededicate your life to Jesus,
2: can you raise your hand
0: right now? Anybody? Just shoot your hand up. Anybody? We got one hand. We got two, we got three. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else want to dedicate or rededicate, surrender their lives to Jesus Christ right now? Awesome. Anybody else? Best decision you'll ever make, by the way. Those who just rose their hand, thank you so much for doing that. I see you guys so awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right, those who rose their hand, just pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe you shed your own blood for me so that I am forgiven. I dedicate and I give you my life. I declare that I'm a born again Christian because of that. I declare that you have control over my life that you're going to bring healing into my life, that you're going to bring friends in my life that know you. And, and the most awesome thing is that I get to be friends with you. Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. I thank you. I praise you. In Jesus' precious name we all say amen. All right, let's give those people a hand.